podcast my name is david isles today we're going to be talking about mcu phase four quentin tarantino's new movie once upon a time in hollywood and who is the best director working today as always i am not here alone with me are two of my best friends it's chase and rashi say hi guys hi hey so (laughs) to avoid this being a like six hour show let's go ahead and start so first thing as always box office the Lion King, 2019's version of The Lion King, made $192 million domestically and $600 million worldwide this, uh, this week. Which, wow. I mean, we've already talked about uh, live-action remakes or whatever and, you know, just how they're always succeeding. But one thing I've heard, which is kind of weird, is that some people are speculating that Disney might make sequels to their live-action versions because of how successful these are going. Huh. And to me, that's that's the end of the world. That's like a doomsday scenario yeah. of if like they, the end of creativity. That's like them combining the only thing they know, the only two things they know how to do at this point. If they if they do, then they better like either try to make the sequels that they already did better, or remake the ones that suck, but like make them completely different. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of sad. It's just, there's a lot of. It's yeah. just like every film that they do. Because Aladdin on, just, cost, or just cost a billion dollars. Spider-Man just cost a billion dollars. Avengers just beat the record, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But like, uh, and then nothing original was making anything. Yeah. And, and even, heard... uh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I was saying, I heard Booksmart re-released. Like really? for $5. <laughs> it's not going to yeah. have. Yeah, that's over. But she, she, um, Olivia Wilde got to is doing something else now, so she's still getting work. So good for her. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Lion King is just, yeah, it's just such a nothing film. But but it shows the Disney people always ask. Oh, it's like, very nothing. Huh? Oh, I was just gonna say it was very nothing. It felt yeah. like, because um, like I was a huge fan of you know the original as a kid, and. But, like, it was just, like, a shot for shot remake, pretty much, which we were expecting going in, because mm-hmm. that's what they said. But then, yeah. I don't know, I, the, um, it was kind of weird uh, that there were real lions, because, like, they didn't have any facial expression. Yeah, yeah. Like, I saw some side-to-sides from, like, the animated to the original, and it was like, yeah, you can't even tell. Simba was supposed to be sad in this scene because you can't with the photorealistic face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like uh, when they were even when they were singing, like I just can't wait to be king. Like they were barely opening like their mouths, and it it was just kind of <laughs> awkward at that point. But this is yeah. just 
it kind of created like a disconnect between me and the character. Yeah. This one's just kind of sad for movies. Because it's like, even if I was an executive at Disney, like, why would you ever make an original film? <laughs> like, it wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Every single one of their remakes is making a billion dollars. Yeah. So. I know, but it's like, at the same time, like, it's like they've already built their legacy and now they're just like, you know, continuing that and they're like staying in the legacy area. They're not like looking towards the future in any way. And I feel like if they want to, like hold on to hold on to like like build something in the like for the future generations too they're gonna definitely have to start putting out new stuff because like i mean like right now i feel like they're almost like relying on that nostalgia that everyone has and feels for disney i mean like our generation grew up with it older generations grew up with it but like if we're gonna be showing our kids remakes i mean that might feel like the original to them but like I don't know. Like, I feel like it won't really feel like their own, you know? Like, I feel like they need to come up with, like, something new. If I was an executive, I would want to put out something new, but I feel like that's not my money mind speaking. Well, it it has to be done originally because one day they're going to run out of remakes and one day the MCU isn't going to be going as strong as it is right now. So one day they're going to have to make a live-action Disney film or an animated Disney, but... For right now, they don't. But in other news, <laughs> Avengers Endgame, which this should be the biggest box office news we've ever talked about, but it's, it was just such a slow race and it was so anticlimactic, it didn't really even <laughs> care, matter. But like, Avengers Endgame is now the highest grossing film of all time. It, uh, it beat mm. Avatar on the day of Comic Con, which seems a little bit fishy. It seems like Disney bought out <laughs> the tickets for the rest of the six billion that they needed. But. It happened, so mm-hmm. congrats, I guess. It doesn't really matter because Disney owns Avatar, so yeah. who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on from that, as I said earlier, Marvel did announce that Endgame became the biggest movie of all time at their comic-con panel so they had a huge comic-con panel a few hours after we published our last episode where they announced the entirety of their phase four plan which includes five films and five movies over the span of the next two years and we'll talk about all 10 of those and give our thoughts about basically the future of the mcu and what they're doing so first up the first film in phase four is going to be Black Widow, directed by Kate Shortland and written by Jack Schaefer, who wrote Captain Marvel. Its release date is May 1st, 2020. It's going to star Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, Rachel Wise, and David Harbour. It will take place shortly after Civil War, but before Infinity War and uh, Endgame. And Florence Pugh and Johansson are described as sisters in sort of a way, but not maybe like biologically sisters, but they're at least related in some sort. And the main villain is going to be Taskmaster... Oh. Who has? You okay, Chase? Yeah. There's um, this is really sorry. Keep going. Yeah, Taskmaster, who's a big big part of Marvel, or he's a big villain in Marvel lore. So, Rashi, what do you think, Black Widow? Are you excited, or is it too late? Is it what? Is it too late? Oh, too late. No, I mean I'm excited. I mean it's like beyond time that Black Widow got her own movie. I feel like she's like one of the original Avengers. And I mean, at least she has that, definitely she has the following, like as long as, as far as like fans go and she's been in the MCU for a long time. 
so I feel like this one won't have any trouble like garnering garnering that support and an audience so I'm excited well, the thing, yeah the thing I think is cool about this movie while I'm not like particularly excited about it is um this is the first kind of story in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is not really a superhero movie because like she doesn't really have superpowers I don't think any of these other characters well maybe Taskmaster but he's like just able to mimic the other person's abilities so even he's not really a superhero in that concept so it's going to be a lot more of just like maybe a spy thriller yeah just more of a movie instead of you know just put the formula on the only thing that concerns me is the same captain the same writer from captain marvel and that was sort of a formula movie so hopefully they don't put the same formula on here but all in all i'm pretty excited um scarlett johansson is good as always um rachel weiss is great david harbour is a lot of fun so i don't know anything about florence Pugh, but i don't know i'm i'm pretty excited uh there's some other ones that are coming later on that i'm more excited for but mm-hmm. all in all I'm, I'm pretty pumped chase what do you think um I, as i mentioned before i thought it came a little too late like it like i'm i'm obviously still hyped about it but uh like the timing seemed kind of like weird because like maybe marvel noticed how successful wonder woman was doing and they realized that oh well maybe if we give black widow her own film like you know, <laughs> they were like oh shoot like, brick i re- <laughs> yeah like the only other avenger that doesn't have his own movie is hawkeye and even he's getting a tv show yeah and and I mean you're right. Uh, they've obviously just seen okay. Uh, Wonder Woman made a lot of money. Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. So maybe females can make movie, which is a duh. But <laughs> it took them a long time, but they figured it out. And yeah. finally, they. I mean, this I movie. feel like they would also kind of get some backlash if not for like killing her off. Yeah. Then, oh yeah, and then without giving her her own movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say though. Last week, I said that we should retire the phrase superhero fatigue because it doesn't exist. And I still believe that. But I will say, if there was one film that I think could show if superhero fatigue is a real thing, it's this one. Because yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's not really going to lead anywhere to the future of Marvel or anything. It's not like ramping up to an endgame or anything like that. This is a standalone story. Um, and it's about one singular character who's not very super powered. So... Hopefully this movie does well, but if there was one movie that was going to suffer from superhero fatigue, it would be this one. But I mean, at the same time, as Rachel mentioned in the last episode, it is a continuation of like kind of the original MCU and like Mm -hmm. it will still have like all the supporters and fans of like earlier 2000s era. Yeah. Um, So maybe the next film is another one. We'll definitely watch this one. Yeah, I think Marvel is past the time where they're going to make a billion dollars per film like they are right now, but I still think these are going to be fairly profitable, probably over half yeah. a billion dollar films for each of them. Easily, yeah. because Ant-Man made over half a billion dollars, and that was kind of a disappointment. <laughs> um, the, first t- the first TV show that's going to be released for the MCU, if you don't count the Netflix TV shows, is going to be The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's gonna. Its release date is just for fall of 2020. They don't haven't released a date yet, but it's probably gonna be around the September to November time. 
frame. And it's going to star Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie, of course, coming back as the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And Ooh. Daniel Brühl, who played Zemo in Civil War, is also going to come back to be the villain of this series. Um, and he's apparently wearing a mask, which seems to be important to a lot of people. Um, and he's coming back as Baron Zemo. So this is the first Disney Plus show, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, to establish characters. As we know, Falcon has became Captain America now. He has the shield. Uh, Chase, I'll go to you first. What do you think about this? Uh, Oh, I'm actually kind of hyped for it. Like, it's like they showed, they teased a little bit of it in Captain America Civil War about their, like, bro chemistry. And I found that kind of fun in the movie, even though it was, like, very little. But um, I'm probably, I I probably won't, like, pay for Disney Plus for the first couple of months because I'm cheap as hell. <laughs> so I'll probably uh, have to go on a certain website to look at, look at all the episodes. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> this doesn't come out till fall 2020. So I, I'm thinking maybe I'll just skip Disney Plus until then. And then whatever mm-hmm. one month thing they have i'll just get the free version and then watch it in that week um but this this is this is pretty subscription thing huh disney plus it's meant to be like a full-on subscription thing like how much is it per month like almost the same like a netflix no it's much less than netflix it's like eight bucks nine netflix is nine right well, yeah. it depends. I think Netflix, if you want a single account, is like eight or nine. But then, if you want multiple accounts, it's like eleven or twelve. Yeah. So Disney is considerably like, cheaper. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Eight dollars is still like pretty much a full subscription to me. But I don't know if I would invest in it just because it's not like I'm not going to be watching movies as frequently as TV shows. Well, Disney Plus also has all of Disney's movies and Fox's. Wait, wait Fox's Like 21st TV Century shows? Fox. Yeah, like The Simpsons oh, really? is going to be on there. And uh, Family Guy, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, all of Fox's TV shows and all of 21st Century Fox's movies will be on Disney Plus. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah, yeah. that makes a difference. <laughs> <laughs> At least I believe. I'm, I'm, I, there's a chance that I'm wrong, but I believe that's the case. But... Back to this show, though, I think, yeah, I agree with Chase. Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan have a good chemistry. I was interested. I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen with the, with who's going to be Captain America and kind of see what angle they take on that. I like Zemo in Captain America Civil War. It, this isn't something that I'm, like, jumping out of my seat for. And if density increases its prices and I don't feel like buying it, then I just won't watch this show. But moderately excited. Uh Rashi, I guess you're not since you don't even want the <laughs> um, <laughs> what's it called subscription service. Yeah, I probably won't get it. At least in the beginning. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I wasn't too big of a fan of a uh, Winter Soldier. What? Yeah. What? Oh, Sorry. I think that's the I think that's the best one. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's the best yeah. Marvel movie. Well, what do you one think of the is the best one. Uh, Rash. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Well, I like Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. 
I was thinking that was that. pretty good. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. That one. Uh, I I think Captain America: Winter Soldier is one of the like cleanest movies, I guess, out of that whole. It it was just like a good kind of thriller movie from beginning to end, and it didn't follow the formula as much as some uh-huh. of the other films. And it was no, first I see that. I respect so, that for about it. So yeah. I don't know who's. It says the showrunner is Malcolm Spellman. I don't know who that is, but again, moderately excited for this one. The yeah. next movie coming out, and this is The Eternals. It's directed by Chloe Zhao, who directed a film that I haven't got to see yet, but I heard was really really great, called The Writer. I would check it out. It's on mm-hmm. Stars or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's written by Matthew Furpo and Ryan Furpo. I don't know who those people are. But it's going to be released November 6th of 2020. It stars Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, Kumail Nanjiani, Lorden Ridloff, Brian Tyree Henry, Salma Hayek, Liam McHugh, and Don Lee. Uh, Rashi, you first. What do you think about this one? I actually know nothing about this movie. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a little bit of because I read a little bit about it before this show comes on or the book. Uh huh. It was these people, like, it's kind of hard to explain, but they're like kind of like a different race of being, kind of like the scrolls or whatever from Captain Marvel. But like, they it's, they the best comparison is they say Thanos is an eternal. Like he, oh. so that's kind of wait. Can you say that again? Sorry, cut out. <laughs> yeah, Thanos is an eternal. So oh. like, that's the kind of race you're going to be like dealing with, and it's like uh, Angelina Jolie's character is going to be able to like fly and do all this cool stuff, and um, you know, all of them have good like are you they're able to heal really quickly. So this it's not they're not humans, but they look like humans, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of along that vein. Um, I don't know who the might be in this one, but that's kind of a a really broad about of what it's about. Okay, and do they still fit into the MCU timeline? Uh, yes, I think this is going to be the first film that's actually post in game. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> so, what are your what are your thoughts? I suppose I would watch it. I don't have anything against <laughs> it just from you <laughs> saying that. Um. What about you, Chase? Uh, well, now that you mentioned that, like, how they're related to Thanos, I was like, okay. I thought they were kind of just like the Fantastic Four where they're just like another group of, like, semi-powerful That's superheroes. That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Just like, well, now that I know that they're like that, like... Now I'm getting, like, all kinds of questions, like, well, if they're, like, well, then, I, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm I'm kind of hyped for it. Like, it has a very diverse cast. It, um, it seems really good. Like, if they advertise it well, then I might be interested in seeing it. So. Yeah, this one, I, I still, I don't know too much about the plot. I just read a really quick, like, synopsis, because no one really knows the plot of it. They just kind of know who these characters are. So I can really only judge it on cast. And I'm still eh about Angelina Jolie, yeah. just in general. It seems um, like because it's a group dynamic type of thing, that the group chemistry will be everything. Yeah, but there are a few people I am excited. Richard Madden is great. 
I like Richard Madden. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani is great, even though he's getting to the point where he's become a little bit overused. I see his name everywhere. Yeah. Um, I still like that he's a part of it. He's probably going to um, be there for comic relief. Probably. Hopefully uh, not. I, I don't know yeah, who Lord Ridloff is. Um, Brian Tyree Henry was the best part of Beale Street, and he's a good in Atlanta. Uh, Salma Hayek is always nice to see. And so. <laughs> She's in a too? Yeah. Oh, this is a very interesting group. I feel like. Yeah, I'm not sure how the group like chemistry is gonna work and what the group dynamics gonna be, but I feel like I'll have to see that on screen. Me either. This is the biggest like question mark of all things because there's like a lot that I'm kind of excited about, but this one's just kind of like, well, this is a film. Um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. To be honest, I feel like this one will be an indicator of superhero fatigue because it's like. You have the fans of, like, pre-Endgame MCU, and mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna stick it out. Like, you know, I mean, like, the people who need to watch every film of those. But, like, they'll watch this one, and then if they like it or not, it'll be, like, the determining factor of if they'll continue watching post-Endgame, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, this, you're right. This one, maybe even more than Black Widow, could be the one where... We might see people tuning out this year. I don't really care. We've already seen the game. It's not going to get better than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Abby, joined the podcast a few minutes <laughs> ago. Say yeah. hi. Did um, she join the podcast? I see her name. Uh, yeah, I saw her. <laughs> Can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Abby's here now. It's a, it's a whole sweet Firefly reunion now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Okay, next up, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Directed, it's going to come out February 12, 2021. It's going to be directed by Daniel, Destin Daniel Credden, who directed the amazing film Short Term 12, written by Dave Callahan. And it's going to star Simu Liu as Shang-Chi, Tony Leung, and Aquafina. And this film will include the mandarin the real version of the mandarin not the fake one that they used in iron man 3 so and mandarin's supposed to be one of the biggest villains in the mcu so that should be pretty interesting what do y'all think where does this take place do you know uh no okay um i still believe it's post in-game i don't know where like what part of the world but i'm assuming in an asian country of course (laughs) will um maybe i don't know (laughs) I feel like this might, this one might, um, if anything, have the novelty that like Black Panther had, that Crazy Rich Asians had, you know, just yep. um, catering to the minorities, sort of. Yeah, I mean, we, there, yeah, I don't think Asian people have ever had a superhero. Yeah, and it's not like even like at least black people had blade but like, yeah. like that's not good enough but like asian people haven't had anything yeah. so but even as a film i think this sounds pretty interesting simu liu so he he actually like was campaigning for this part for years yeah like, he has really been trying to go at marvel like please make this movie and cast me in it so i'm really <laughs> excited for him because he seems really passionate about the kind of reminds me of like uh, maybe even a Tom Holland, who's obviously so passionate about his role. So hopefully he's going to kill it. Tony <laughs> Leung, uh, or yeah, Tony Leung is a great actor. He's been famous for years and years. So I'm glad that he gets to kind of, because he's been famous in Hong Kong for a lot of years. So now I'm happy that he gets a mainstream role in Hollywood. Aquafina yeah, is another fine. one who's been 
she's kind of had the Tiffany Haddish effect of just putting herself in everything, but I still think she's really cool. So, and Daniel, and 12, Short Term 12 is an absolutely amazing movie, so I trust the director. So, I'm the second, like, second on my list of the most excited things I am for this Phase 4. Um, Abby, what do you think? Um, I... About Mandarin? Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Movie. Um, well, I... I don't know much about these Marvel <laughs> shows coming out, really. <laughs> I'd say my brother's extremely excited. <laughs> um, Probably. He was telling me how... It just seems like they're going really hard to, um, you know, get people onto their, like, Marvel... TV service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. They have there's seven projects in 2021, and three of them or four of them are TV yeah. shows. So they're definitely trying with the Disney. Plus. Yeah. But Chase, what do you think? Shang Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, for a second, I thought you said it cut out, and I thought you said The Hobbit, like Legend of the. I don't know. <laughs> the sword. Uh, yeah. But uh, I'm I'm kind of interested. Uh. It has Aquafina, which I just found out she's in Atuka and Birdie. That's a funny show that I just found out about. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I, I'm kind of interested. Um, I don't know too much about Shang Chi, but um, yeah, it's like like with the like with the Eternals, if they just like make them look interesting, then like not like cookie cutter like Marvel, like uh, like. Just, I hope they try something different with these new. Yeah, super that's the only thing I'm worried about is like with Black Panther. It was so formulaic, and I feel like there was it was like the only thing going for it was. Well, I think the third act was formulaic. Like I think they had a really good thing going, but then at the end they kind of reverted back to their regular Marvel roots. Yeah. So hopefully, Shang-Chi can be like completely original. King? Whoa. Yeah, that I had that exact. Yeah, it <laughs> it is. It's exact. Well, it's not. They have elements from the Lion King. Like Scar is like uh, uh, yeah. Michael B. Jordan's character. Killmonger. Killmonger. Simba is T'Challa. Uh, Mufasa Coming is. Back to save his kingdom. Yeah. After he. Oh yeah, that's they actually yeah very similar. <laughs> yeah, Nala is Lupita Nyong'o. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good comparison. <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully, saying to you will be pretty good. The next one is WandaVision, which is a terrible title, <laughs> but it's called WandaVision. I am um, not liking be... any of these titles. <laughs> really? They all kind of the sound next title. Like a, they sound like the start of a new Marvel's era. <laughs> yeah. The next title I think is going to be is is really exciting. But then yeah, everyone so far is just kind of meh. Um, but WandaVision is one, and it's going to star uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany, of course, mm-hmm. and a few other people. And they said that this one's going to set up Doctor Strange, which Ooh. is the next movie. Um, because so... uh, I keep saying this one's really important for like the thing, so you actually have to watch it if you're going to understand some of these films. But uh, I don't know if I want to see WandaVision. You mean who said Kevin Feige, I guess. <laughs> Mm. Um, I, eh, I'm I'm eh about this one. I'll ha- I guess I'll watch it because Doctor Strange is my most anticipated one yeah. face. But eh, what do y'all think? Mm. 
Oh, yeah. Doctor Strange is one of my favorites, too. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about Doctor Strange but, um, in a second. But, um, yeah, WandaVision Yeah, I is, mean, people will watch yeah. it just be- to build the universe. If it has to do with the Doctor Strange one, then people are going to want to not miss out on that information. I just hate that it's like she died. Uh, or he not, died. He died. Sorry, Vision mm-hmm. died. And then Scarlett Johansson's character died, and they brought her back. Loki died, and they're bringing him back for his own series. And it's just like, God, what's the point? So <laughs> is... I mean, it's good. It's like prequels, right? Yeah, but like it still lessens it for okay. me. Like if a character dies, I don't want to ever see them on screen again. <laughs> Except like maybe in a flashback scene, but like... I like my deaths to be death. You like them to be final. <laughs> Wait, but what if um, uh, Iron Man comes back in Black Widow? I really hope he doesn't. <laughs> I don't want to ever see Marvel's... Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. I don't think Robert Downey Jr. does either. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel's messing with David's wallet, concept does. of death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so is WandaVision going to uh, focus on... Wanda and Vision's relationship, then, given the title, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that I think it's like, um, like there was like a in between time, kind of like Black Widow, where there's an in between time between Civil War and Endgame, where they were like, you know, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're probably just gonna focus on that time and them trying to be all espionage or whatever. Um, I don't really know because they say it's gonna set up Doctor Strange, and that's the part where I'm confused because it's like. How are you going to set up Doctor Strange if Vision's in this and he's dead? So, I don't know. We'll see. That, that was just an eh for me. But the one I really want to talk about, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Badness. The first good t- title we've got, first of all. Um, directed and written by Scott Derrickson, who did the first one. Starring Bandit Cumberbatch and Elizabeth Olsen. So, Scott is going to be in Doctor Strange mm-hmm. too. And the thing that gets me excited is it's being described as the first MCU horror movie. Oh. So, um, uh, yeah, MCU horror movie. Oh. <laughs> um, so every, almost everything about this excites me. Um, I, Doctor Strange is my favorite um, remaining Avenger. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Scarlet Witch is a cool character. I think she'll be good to interact with him. Um, I love that they're going in... Even though I'm not a huge fan of horror movies, I'm glad that they're going that route. Yes. I think it fits with Doctor Strange, and they're going to do some really cool stuff. Um, the Multiverse of Madness is just a great a great title. Um, mm-hmm. I love Doctor Strange, so I'm glad Scott Derrickson is back. So everything everything in this is good. A Marvel I'm horror happy. movie very much excites me. <laughs> hmm. Yeah? This excites Chase, the woman. <laughs> <laughs> Chase, what do you think? Uh, uh, <laughs> All I, <her> awkward laughing. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Can it just it's, be like a? It just keeps going. <laughs> Can it be a minute of just awkward laughter? <laughs> Chase, your laugh is like so like it's just repeated like two tones. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's because like I'm walking in Walmart with this walking stick, and like every other aisle, there's like. People and like, like you have to, you must muffle your laughter around these strangers. Yeah, all strong films. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh my, but um, 
Oh boy, I got wait. Never mind. I gotta go back. But uh, I have. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued. I hope. I don't know what route they're gonna go for horror per se. Maybe like, maybe if they do like stuff like Midsummer or like freaking. I don't think us. it's gonna be that intense. I have. Oh, feel, yeah, no. I have a feeling when you say like Marvel horror, I'm like kind of thinking like the direction that DCU took the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Maybe, because it's still going to be PG thirteen, so don't expect anything like oh, too yeah. bad. I think it's more of just like a darker tone, maybe, or not even a darker tone, but just like you know, yeah, like just, yeah, just not your regular, you know, three act Marvel structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know that that one's on the top of my list. I'm going to see that opening day. That's the one. Where I think it'll be really interesting. Yeah. And then there's three shows where I don't think are going to be that interesting. One is Loki. Um, I really Loki. do not like the concept of these shows that they're doing. <laughs> I really don't like this one because it's... it's like they obviously put that scene into Endgame where he steals the time stone, just yeah. to or whatever the whatever it's called, just to, the Tesseract, now in, yeah. just to make this show. I, this I'm show not on this one. I. I think it yeah, was. I'm not only, watching this one. I think they're only making these shows for fan service because there's like a and certain for the portion. streaming service. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. there's because there's like a certain like group of people that just like are obsessed with Loki. Like yeah. they, they think he's the best Marvel villain, in, like the history, like better than Killmonger or Thanos. And yeah, I feel like, like it has a lot to do with Tom Hiddleston too. But it yeah. absolutely does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tom Hiddleston is great, but yeah. I've just been done with Loki since Avengers. Yeah. So because they yeah, they're the I one know. who ended him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, one that I actually I, I'm gonna tell you, I think this one is a little bit interesting. It's this What If series. Oh yeah. It's an animated series, mm-hmm. and it's about like what would happen if some things in the MCU went differently. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this one has the potential to be boring and stupid, but like I. I'm tentatively excited. There's like a lot of people from the cast are coming back in voice roles. Really? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't have expected an animated movie or animated show from Marvel. So it makes sense for what they're doing, though, because like obviously they can't support that Mm -hmm. TV film or TV show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. So. Yeah, I'm I'm down with what if Chase. You're a big animated person. Um, what about Chase, what about what if? He's a big animated man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued. I I don't know the artistic direction that they're going for yet, but I mean the cast has me hyped. They they have everybody, literally almost everyone except like Robert Downey Jr. I think they even got Chris Evans on the show, but like uh. They have, um, uh, I'm hyped about the cast. Uh, that looks good. Uh, I've seen a lot of, like, memes, like, about it. Like, the the Minecraft bed, like, meme. And then they're changing the text to unless. But, yeah, it's, mm. I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued by it. <laughs> but I can see how you'd see it would be boring on some parts. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, seems, I said it could be. I feel like it but... seems almost like just like another milking from. Maybe. Because... Yeah. What is this happened? But it's just such a like fan thing to do. I feel like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but 
Oh, well. listen- and then another show that wait. Is let just me. Ask- so I have meh. my brother is a huge MCU fan, and okay. he's sitting right here. So let me ask him if he would watch it. Another special guest. Would you watch? <laughs> He says he would. <laughs> nice. So they have one viewer. That's all they need. <laughs> um, okay, Haw- Hawkeye is oh, the other show. Um, he's getting a show fall of 2021. Uh, Jeremy Renner is going to come back. It's him and his daughter. Um, hmm. Not the show. Oh, eh. da- is the show about him and his daughter's relationship? Yeah. <laughs> she. I guess he's going to kind of be teaching her how to become the next Hawkeye. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to be watching people shooting arrows for eight episodes. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of out. Like, Jeremy Renner's a great actor. I'm sure whoever's playing Kate Bishop is fine, but, like, eh, I'm good. I heard that there was, like, rumor that there was, like, a mission where uh, Hawkeye was, like, fighting the scrolls or whatever, but Captain Marvel kind of established that they're good, so who are the villains? We don't know. Yeah. Is anyone excited for Hawkeye or is this just another who cares? I I feel like it might work. It kind of reminds me it has sounds like it has like the vibe that like Logan had which yeah. is like kind of interesting and I feel like at least it's not like they're trying to fit a whole superhero movie into like a TV show format. Like it, yeah. it is a different. It would follow a different storyline, different story arc, different conflict. So, I don't know. It might be interesting. Yeah, I um, am confused as to like what the conflicts would be, but I'm sure that we'll they're see. not going to make a show without conflict. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I don't know. All of these Disney Plus shows are just kind of. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe when our first trailer comes out, we'll. Yeah. Let me ask think about it differently. Like all these TV shows, I, I mean, I personally am not. I don't really like watch TV shows. I just prefer to watch movies. Yeah, yeah. But so like that's probably one of the main reasons that I would not get this um, Disney Plus ser- streaming. But let me ask my brother, <laughs> who is ev- invested and would have a reason. You, Another special guest. You, <laughs> the same one. Yeah. Would you get the Disney Plus streaming service? Oh my gosh. Would you watch the shows? <laughs> I would probably watch the Falcon and Winter Soldier one. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are just a lot of math. So let's get back to movies. The last movie in Phase Four: Thor: Love and Thunder. Uh, yet another disappointing title, but um, we talked about uh, Taika Waititi's coming back to write and direct it. Chris Hemsworth oh. and Tessa Thompson are going to come back, but the big surprise was that Natalie Portman is going to come back to play a female version of Thor. What? Um, mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. Natalie Portman? She's not strong. <laughs> I guess she will be in two years when it <laughs> comes out. Uh, Brie Larson wasn't that uh, strong either when it started. Uh, this, uh, I'm excited that they're doing a female version of Thor. I think that's an interesting take. To I do. like that too. Um, yeah. But I don't like that as Natalie. Yeah, Portman. me too. 
They had like it was their. She's in everything. Like this is their opportunity to like hire like a, like a, I don't know, a different type of female. Like, hello. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it kind of cut out, so I didn't know if you were talking still or not. But, um, oh. th- yeah, it's just like, even if they put Tessa Thompson as the Thor person, I would have been much more happy. But this is, first of all, Natalie Portman doesn't even like MCU films. Like, what? She, she was, like, campaigning to get out of... Well, first of all, they did her dirty with her character. Her character wasn't that good in Thor 1 or 2. Or two. But, like, we were done with that storyline. We kind of moved away and decided that that was over. And now we're bringing her back to be this female Thor. She didn't even look that excited on stage. They must just be giving her a big paycheck. And even Natalie <laughs> Portman, she's really good at these smaller films, Black Swan, Vox Lux, some of these smaller things, but like, she's at least in my opinion, not great at the big blockbusters. Um, so just the fact that it's her makes me a lot less excited, but yeah. Chris Hemsworth is cool in these movies. Tessa Thompson is cool in these movies, so that's still good. Taika's great. I know, we'll I'm see. excited. Um, I don't know. Chase, do you have to... Am I cutting it? Um, a little bit, but hopefully it'll be fine. Uh, Chase, what do you think? Hmm. He must be getting his car washed, or whatever he's doing, getting his tire replaced. <laughs> uh, so, let's go to Blade. Uh, so, this was the biggest surprise in the whole thing is right at the end of the panel, they brought out two-time Oscar winner Mahershala Ali, and he announced that he was going to be in Blade, that he was going to be the new Blade, replacing Wesley Snipes, and that was going to come in Phase 5, so sometime in 2022. For hmm. me, this was probably some of the more exciting news of every... First of all, it was the only thing that I didn't really already kind of know. Um, but... I don't know. Mahershala Ali is great. Yeah. He's a uh, two-time Oscar winner for a reason. Uh, I'm glad Blade is back. It can be brought back to the mainstream. I hope Wesley Snipes can be in it, at least in a small role, maybe a cameo or something, because he was great in the role. But I don't know. I'm pumped. I'm glad, because Mahershala Ali is another one. He has been campaigning to do this movie and this role for years as well. And when he won all these Oscars, he was like, you know, he was kind of, you know, forcing Marvel, like, hey, I'm a two-time Oscar award winner trying to make a movie with y'all. What are y'all doing? So finally they said yes. And... They're making Blade. I'm excited. What about y'all? My brother also, I was going to say earlier, he could provide testimony on the Marvel streaming service. He was telling me, he's like, all these new movies and shows announced for the service, I have to get it. And I think Blade was what he was most excited about. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty tight that didn't Herschel Ali just call up and was like, I would like to be Blade. Yeah, he has been, yeah. I, I think more people should do that. They should just like, yeah. they should just live tweet the uh, the studios and just be like, "I want to play this role." How would you? <laughs> I'm gonna tweet. I'm gonna go Twitter and tweet at them to make me their next Marvel superhero. Yes. <laughs> yes. We we should all. Oh yeah! Yeah. Just tweet like put us in the Spider Verse live action. 
<laughs> yeah. I want you to start them. That would be our goal. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we yeah. gotta. You gotta make up your own. We gotta make up our own superhero if we can't find like the like heroes to play. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that was it for Phase Four. Um, phase Five is gonna have Black Panther Two, Captain Marvel Two, Guardians Three, all of that stuff. But we'll talk about that a little bit later. But that's it for Phase Four. Genuinely pretty excited about everything coming out. I'm not like over the moon about anything in particular, but I am super excited for Doctor Strange and Shang Li and Blade. Yes. So there's some cool things coming, but enough with Marvel. Uh, there were three trailers that came out that I want to talk about. Uh, first one, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. It's the new Mr. Rogers movie starring Tom Hanks. <laughs> and it's about like a cyclist who just runs into Mr. Rogers and Mr. Rogers changes his life or something like that. I don't know. I thought this trailer was okay. Um, I thought it, it was very sweet. <laughs> yeah, it looks, it looks nice. Tom Hanks looks like very he's going to give, yeah, he's, he's going to give a good performance. It looks like it's going to be like a movie that puts a smile on your face. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely also going to be a big nostalgia thing for um, for people who did grow up with Mr. Rogers. Because it's yeah. about him touching this man's life and like people whose life he did touch growing up as a child. Did any of you watch Mr. Rogers? Because uh, I'm I curious as to what the generation is. Was he already? I think it was already done by the time we were watching TV. Yeah, but it was like it would air on PBS Kids. I remember. I remember watching well, it sometimes. For, for me, it would only show um, this the show called Martha Speaks. Um, <laughs> uh, it would show Arthur. It would show Sesame Street. Uh, Between the Lions. Um, Between the Lions was my favorite. I love that show. Uh, was Caillou on PBS? Oh, yeah. Ka- I Caillou think Martha Speaks was a little bit later, though. Like, that was more... Oh, yeah. Like, the was... end of our childhood. Like, kind of, like us going out. And then, like, my brother watched that show a lot. But And, like, Curious George. Yes, that... Curious George. But um... I remember Curious George. <laughs> yeah. Wait, was yeah. that a TV show? I thought that was just a... Oh, wait, no, it was a TV show. The yeah, movie had, distinctly. Yeah, the movie had Will Smith, but then it had a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. Rossi, what were you saying about the movie? Um, but yeah, so I think so like some of us have watched it as a show. I feel like our yeah. age group is definitely the last the very last, maybe not even ours, maybe before ours cuz you guys didn't watch it, but like Yeah. the last generation for it to hit with. But at the same time, I think I think children could still enjoy the movie, but I think it's much more geared towards older people. <laughs> yeah, this movie nostalgia. is not made. Yeah, this movie is not made for us. For our, it's yeah. made for older people who went up and I was like, I remember watching Mr. Rogers on the screen, mm-hmm. and then it seems like this is a pretty personal story between him and the cyclist, yeah. just showing how good of a man Mr. Rogers was. So, right. so it's definitely going to reflect on excited. people's personal relationship with him that they can relate um and then also tom hanks is i think genuinely the only person in the world (laughs) who can play this role um so good for him he'll probably get an oscar nomination which is fine because i think tom hanks is a good guy and one 
kind of becoming underrated actor. I think he he should go down in the pantheon as one of the probably the greatest actors of this generation. Um, so good for him. I like the trailer enough. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when that comes out, but I'll see it when it does. Now, one trailer that I was a little bit more iffy about was Jojo mm-hmm. Rabbit. Um, <laughs> this is the new film from Taika Waititi. It's a anti-hate <laughs> film, and he cast himself as Hitler, <laughs> I believe. And uh, but I think Hitler in this one's not necessarily a bad guy. I don't know really. Well, what I the read plot online that it was. Um, but this is well, bizarre. it was from the perspective of the little boy who is Jojo, and then Hitler is his imaginary friend. So, like, I don't think Hitler's real. So, like, I have a feeling it's going to paint it in, like, because it's Hitler from this young boy's perspective and, you know, he's going to, like, Nazi camps or something. Like, get him young or something. I have a feeling that it's Uh not going to, like, make Hitler out to be such this, like, an awful guy. (laughs) Because... That's that's such a weird... It is an interesting (laughs) take... But if he's going, um, if he's going for like anti-hate, it might be something along the lines of that. Like, you know, like a kid's not gonna know, know and understand all the awful things Hitler's done. So, like, how yeah. evil can he possibly be in this child's eyes? So they I might. I just hope. Uh, oh well, I have a few. Yeah, I just hope some kid doesn't like you know once they get into like. Whenever we start learning yeah. about like, sixth grade or whatever, they're like, "Oh, the nice guy from Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> he, he like killed millions yeah. of people." Yeah, it's definitely um, that's like a big responsibility that filmmakers take on when they deal with history is to like you because it's like a big representation of history and it's like a big it messes with people's minds a little bit. But if he might, I have a feeling that it it would have to like play into this like anti hate like that he's going for anti-war i don't know we'll have to see what he what it what he's talking about uh i will watch it for that reason because i'm curious <laughs> yeah i i fell asleep during what we do in the shadows i don't really know if i loved it but i, I thought thor ragnarok was fine so we'll yeah. i have a feeling uh, this I, I one will know. be more along the lines of um his hunt for the wilder people yeah maybe which i really like uh, that one I think he does a good job at um, connect or like reflecting little boys, uh, <laughs> like portraying them well on the screen and connecting yeah. with them. So we'll see. We'll see. And then the last one was Zombieland Double Tap. So in doing research, I mean, I had an extra hour and a half, so I went ahead and watched the original Zombieland. <laughs> Uh, it's a really good film, actually. It's pretty good. I think it's it's like it's pretty fun. It's funny. The cast has a good chemistry with each other. It's not over mm-hmm. the top. It's not too long. It's it was just a really well made film. And then I saw the trailer for Zombieland Double Tap. I watched it immediately after and just stop making sequels to comedies that came out fourteen years <laughs> ago. Like the if you if you had a good idea for a comedy sequel, it probably would have came within a year or two after mm-hmm. you made the first comedy. I don't believe you just came up with an epiphany 10 years later, <laughs> like I have a good idea for this film. I think the director needed some more money, so he decided to make this film. 
and then Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg, and Woody Harrelson were all like, well, I had a good enough time making the first one, so I'll come back for this. I have a feeling but they were the paid trailer. a lot to, to probably pay. Yeah, that. Well, but they don't need it, though. Emma Stone doesn't need this film to make money. She's going to make money everywhere she goes. Um, yeah. Jesse Eisenberg, maybe a little bit more. Woody Harrelson, maybe a little bit more. But, like, Emma Stone was the one where I was like, you really don't need this. So there has to be at least something in this film that brought her back in. But... I just watched the trailer and it was so many celebrity cameos, oh. <laughs> so many like, you know, uh, like pop culture references. And I'm just like, oh, Lord, this is. And then they That's moved to DC. The so there's probably going to be a lot bad. of political humor. Yeah. So whatever. I'm, I'm sad because Zombieland is a really good movie. So ugh, hopefully not. Did y'all watch the trailer or the original Zombieland? I didn't watch the. Sorry. Go ahead, Chase. Oh, I was gonna say I didn't watch the original, but I did see the trailer. It, it what was, do you think of the trailer then? It was fine. I don't really understand. I didn't understand a lot because I didn't see the original Zombieland. But yeah, mm. Abby, did you see it either? Abby? <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw the original. And I saw bits and pieces of the trailer. And yeah, I mean, if you're talking about pop culture references, I feel like that's a little. Uh, yeah, they were but... just going back. And that's because I remember I watched the original and the Bill Murray cameo was so good. Yes. And they were like, okay, obviously, because let's it was just do only that five one times. And it was an iconic yeah. celebrity. And they already had some bit where it was like this character is playing a Jesse Eisenberg type and then this other famous actor is playing a Woody Harrelson type. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, really? This is, yeah, they're trying to, like, mimic. It was just, first of all, this is Zombieland. Why are there so many people that are alive? It's, it was just, it was very disappointing. And, I mean, hopefully they can do something better. On to our main topic. Uh Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out this week, and he is obviously one of the most prominent directors working today, so I wanted to take some time and talk about who are our favorite directors and just have a discussion on directors in total in film today. So I'll start out asking the question, who is everyone's favorite director here? I'll give you a little bit of time to think about it while I go. Mine is obviously Mr. Christopher Nolan. (laughs) It's just in terms of... Every other director, I think, it's, it's just not the same feeling when you're watching a Christopher Nolan movie. And I know some people feel this about Quentin Tarantino. It's like once you watch his film, it's an event. But really, when you watch a Christopher Nolan film, it feels like this is kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity for you. Christopher Nolan is the reason that I got into films in the first place. I mean, Interstellar was the first movie that I saw where I was like, okay, filmmaking isn't just you know it's it's not just random mainstream movies you can make a really good movie with a really good story and you can evoke emotion out of me and that's what christopher nolan did for me and then when i went back and i watched some of his earlier films inception is just such a great story and with all the great visuals and then memento is such a great story prestige might be secretly his best film so when you have all of that in addition to the fact that he saved the dc by making the greatest superhero trilogy and one of the greatest trilogies of all time with the dark knight and then he followed it up with a great performance in dunkirk i think christopher nolan he's not underrated at this point because everybody knows who he is and how good he is but 
I think Christopher Nolan, just in terms of consistency, in terms of visuals, I think he's visually one of the best directors working today. And merging that with how great he is at telling a story, Christopher Nolan's my number one. Rashi, what about you? Uh, my is Quentin Tarantino. I think he has like certain standards that I haven't really seen met by any other director like as consistent as he does and I don't know he does like a great job of making a movie in in a way that like like a lot of I know like it's a big um thing in like movies nowadays to make it feel real and like you know raw and I think that's important too but Tarantino does something interesting into where he kind of puts you in the audience's seat and he makes you aware that you're in the audience's seat. He makes it feel like you're watching a piece of art and like, and he may, it's like, okay, like it's, it's meant to be a film and it's like meant to be enjoyed and watched and it's meant to be a form of art. And he like kind of reminds you that in subtle ways while also keeping, you know, the dialogue very real and very emotion evoking. And so it all works together really well. And like, I think personally, He's one of the best, got some of the best visuals in movies that I've ever seen. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think he does a good job of, like, dealing with other, like, like violence and stuff, like, in a way, and, like, social issues. Um, Abby, what about you? Do you have a favorite director? Um, Okay. I don't think I have a single favorite director. For a lot of people that I know who are into movies, it it seems fairly common that people like find one director that they really like and then watch all their movies, and that's kind of how they get introduced to a bunch of new movies. Um, I guess over time, a few people whose style I found I generally like... Um, I like Darren Aronofsky. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. kind of the dark undertones or overtones, really. <laughs> um, Question: Did you? I forget. Did you like Mother or did you not like Mother? Um, I kind of liked it. I did. Too, I liked actually, it. A bit. The, yeah. the more I think about it, I, I actually did like that film. Yeah, like it was. It's one of those movies you just but... appreciate. <laughs> Yeah, there aren't, like, a lot of directors I've seen, like, a huge amount of their filmography for, but another director I kind of like is uh, Guillermo del Toro. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's great. Very good at just building mystical, fantastical (laughs) worlds you just kind of want to jump into. (laughs) He was one of the first like directors that like made me like also realize that like film can be more than just a story too. Like all the elements that he uses in his filmmaking. I mean, obviously there was like so many great ones before him, but like for me, he was one that introduced me to that world. I think like one of his what he's best known for is colors, and that's like uh, I think it's so cool the way he uses that like in gives meaning for like mm-hmm. everything in his movie like everything is there sorry that took like a minute sorry about that 
Sorry, Chase. I was. What just happened? Chase disconnected, so he texted me that um, you know, I disco- uh, I disconnected. What do I do? So I sent him a text message with the link to get back in, and the text message says something generic. It says something like, "Come join my podcast call" or something like that. And Chase said, "Sounds about fun." <laughs> like, <what>? Yeah, <laughs> it, it's because it's because the message was so inviting. It was like, "Come join the link right now!" Exc- exclamation point. I was like, "Okay, sure. All right, I might." I might just do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Abby, yeah, you're right. Guillermo del Toro is definitely one of the more interesting ones. I think Denis Villeneuve is another one. It was probably my number two, just in terms of since he's been, since he came to America, um, just from Enemy, which was good, to Prisoners, to Sicario, to uh, Arrival, and Blade Runner 2049. It's just visually stunning films first films with a really good story and they're all unique in their own way he's he doesn't really just do one thing and stick to it so i think mm-hmm. denis villeneuve is another interesting That's one true. but chase since you're back who is your mm-hmm. favorite director i haven't seen that many films to establish who my favorite director is but i uh I do enjoy a lot of uh the content that philip lord and chris miller work on yeah. but uh, outside of that, I really like, uh, um, God, uh, what's his name? Um, he directed, uh, uh, he directed, uh, uh Shaun of the Dead and, um, uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, oh. yeah. I enjoy a lot of his, like, his, uh, like, I like how he incorporates, like, visual comedy in some of his films. And the writing's really good. I like how it, like, it, like, the comedy is really good. The films that require action are really good. They're not like over the top or anything like Marvel films, but they're like, they're, I think they're really enjoyable to watch. And, uh, but also like his good story writing is really fun. And, um, yeah, cause I re I watched, uh, I checked out, um, uh, hot fuzz a few months ago and, um, I found that like, almost as enjoyable as Shaun of the Dead, which I personally love. Yeah. So let me ask you all a question. I've been thinking about this because there's a lot. It seems like recently there's been a rise of duos doing things together with the Duffer brothers doing Stranger Things, the Russo brothers, Endgame, and then the Coen brothers, of course. And then a lot of these, even the, it was a pair who wrote Endgame. So it seems like usually it's brothers, but like, (laughs) <laughs> directors are kind of pairing up to make films a lot of times. So who are two directors who you think would be a good pair up to make a movie together? Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Um, one interesting one I just thought of at the top of my head, and I don't know exactly how it worked, but I would like to see Christopher Nolan direct a Jordan Peele written movie, which huh. Jordan Peele also helped direct. Um, <laughs> because I think even though Christopher Nolan is also a great actor's director, he can get great performances out of someone. I think the way Jordan Peele writes a story, maybe Christopher Nolan can rein in and make it more focused. And then with, on top of that, type of actors relax. Jordan Peele would do. Yeah. The way, so yeah. And plus the way Jordan Peele kind of directs his actors, I think that would be at least an interesting pairing and probably make one of the more interesting movies I think we've ever seen. 
But yeah, what about y'all? Just I don't think they ever. I don't think most of the big directors would ever agree to it. But no, they would never. But just in a dream scenario, who are two people? I don't know. This one is kind of hard. Um, um, maybe, maybe like a Michael Bay, M. Night Shyamalan, just to see how terrible <laughs> it could get. And maybe Ari Aster. Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, with Ari- Del Toro? Yeah. Oh, that would be interesting. Mm. Oh, what about a Del Toro Quaron? What if they made something that, together? That'd be that, They... They kind of well, they didn't tease that they were doing it, but like they teased that they would like they they seem really like interested in working together a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe we might actually predict the future. I would um pair. uh, I would like to see a Wes Anderson pairing with like pretty much any director who's got the story. (laughs) What about Anderson Tarantino? That would be very interesting, but I feel like Tarantino's visuals in itself are so strong that um, it kind of clash at that point. Mm-hmm. But like, I would just, I just want to pair Anderson for his visuals because his visuals are so compelling that if he was like to go with more of like a someone who was strong suit is more in the story and more in the actors and characters, I feel like that could be really interesting. Like, um. Maybe, like, ooh, a Scorsese? Uh, Scorsese Anderson would definitely be something I would go to the theater to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what about, uh, like, two, like, what about, like, a weird one, like, Yorgos Lanthimos and Taika Waititi? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that, that would just, because they're two of the weirder directors that yeah. I think I've ever, so. But it's kind of, like, almost the same breed of weird, so it kind of works. Yeah, or you kind of get a more lighthearted tone from Taika, and yeah. then that that would be interesting. Like I think if Taika Ooh. helped with the lobster, I okay. think the lobster could have been like really funny. And I think oh. the lobster did have some like funny elements, like you it know, did. like yeah. he found this, what's his name, C- Colin, what? Perth. No, no, um, no. Barrel. Colin Barrel. Yeah. He has definitely some comedic relief in that movie but mm-hmm. um yeah what about <laughs> oh my god just the most i think <laughs> deep hitting movie ever would be like an ari aster and yorgos lanthimos oh man that it would have like, that would be crazy. a heady film It'd be that would, it would just hit you right in the gut you, you would have to go to the doctor after you see that film <laughs> But I feel like they could uh, make it work. I feel like they could do it. Mm. I feel like they would do it, if anyone. (laughs) Uh, I've already talked about them as my two favorites, but a Denis Villeneuve, Christopher Nolan mashup would instantly (laughs) be my favorite movie of all time. (laughs) It it couldn't... Both of their visual styles is not similar, but I think they could meld well. Plus the way they tell a story. Christopher Nolan and Denis Villeneuve. No, like because what it, films has Denis Villeneuve done? Arrival, Sicario, Prisoners, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay, um, yeah. Like I think, like 
Arrival could have been a Christopher Nolan directed film. Like if he directed that, yeah. I wouldn't have been shocked. And like, I think Interstellar could have been a uh, Denis Villeneuve film. So I think their styles could actually work pretty well together. So that's another one. That would yeah, be great. I feel like that would work. <laughs> their styles are similar enough. Uh, what about uh, Taika and Edgar? Well, maybe they're Taika comic. Yeah, I hope their writing doesn't clash because they both have dabbled in comedy before. Or they're mostly known I think that would be a comedy. good... Because comedy pairings are usually better pairings. So yeah. if they have a good chemistry with each other, a Taika-Edgar Wright one would be mm-hmm. pretty... In- and plus Taika... I think Edgar Wright does action and maybe writes a cleaner story than Taika Waititi. Yeah. So maybe he can kind of rein in Taika's, you know, sure. worst senses. We'll have to see, though, um, Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, oh, if, if you want to just like... make the most formulaic movie ever, what about J.J. Abrams and the Russo Brothers? <laughs> it would just be a straight film. A straight <laughs> If you like no-nonsense. <laughs> Yeah. Um, what are you saying, Rossi? What about I would? Oh, I would be very much here for a Spike Lee and Tarantino joint. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Tarantino would be down for a Spike Lee. And I Tarantino know joint. that's why I was like, that um, might be the only one he would agree to. <laughs> Just like a that cool, would be... lot of like black exploitation influence. I don't know if. Spike Lee would let Quentin Tarantino yeah, get away not. with some of the stuff that Quentin Tarantino lets him. Some, some <laughs> yeah. Time. Um, we'll see. Quentino, Tarantino kind of reined it in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I say kind really? of. Um, but I mean, so, he's got Jackie we'll Brown. Be, yeah. That'd be interesting. I would watch that. Yeah. And um, I feel like they almost like come in like with just in terms of like the tension and vibe you feel in their movies. Like, Glorious Bastards and uh, Black Clansman <laughs> kind of had a similar tone for me. Mm-hmm. I, I hope... Well, who's the dude who directs... Uh, sorry to bother you. Boots uh, Rider. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know which director to pair him with, but I, I, I would want someone to help. kind of rein him in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, if we could get a straight-nosed director to rein Boots Riley in and make a tighter story, also get someone who actually knows how to edit a movie, <laughs> I would be down for that yeah for sure maybe spike lee with him they don't like each other which is the oh, only really? reason i would say no really um, yeah boots riley hates black Klansmen. oh wow hmm. um i forgot the reason why but they yeah they do not like each other hmm. um, i'm trying to think of that those those were a lot of good choices honestly we should have wrote them down we, we need to tweet hollywood or whatever <laughs> tweet the studios tweet the studios <laughs> <directors. laughs> What we've got um, from today is that we're going to tweet Hollywood a lot. <laughs> yeah. Once we're gonna a make week. Something happen. I'm going to make a Twitter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do something where I, I like numbers a lot. So I like like looking at the reviews of films and trying to see kind of how things stack up. And I did it for 30, 38 of the 38 directors working today. And I was trying to figure out who are the top 10 directors working today in terms of a critical and audience standpoint, mm-hmm. just like who, who really delivers over the totality. And I came up with a list. Now I'll say, here are some things. It favors people who have made less films just because you've had less time to mess up. 
and have a bad one. So a lot of directors on the top of this list are going to be directors who've made smaller films. Also, I cut out anyone who made less than four films. So sorry to Jordan Peele, sorry to Greta Gerwig, sorry to uh, Ryan Coogler. They're all not on this list because they've only made three or less. And so I'm going to say the top 10. And I wonder, I want to see what y'all think. Do you think it's an accurate list or do you think some people have been rated too low? So at number 10 was Alfonso Cuarón. Okay. So just initial reactions. Do you think that's a little bit too low or do you think there's nine directors that are a little bit better than Alfonso Cuarón? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love how specific that question was. <laughs> do you think there are nine directors that are a little bit better than Alfonso It would be like funny if like someone just came up to you in an alleyway with like a really big jacket on they were like smoking a cigarette and then they were just like do you think there are nine (laughs) directors that needs to be a new series just going into uh (laughs) going on the street and asking people very specific film questions in a very big jacket yeah i don't get why that's an integral part of it but sure yeah. (laughs) yeah Let's make it more creepy. But 10 is Alfonso Cuarón. I think, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of Prisoner of Azkaban. I, I know, but um, I, I think when you watch, I watched all eight films in a week and Prisoner of Azkaban just didn't stand out to me among all of them. I'm not a huge fan of Gravity, but I am a huge fan of Ichumamba Tambien and I'm not a huge fan of Roma. So 10 feels right for me. Mm. I, I think they are better directors. I think he's actually ahead of some directors that are a little bit better on this list. But um, I don't know. Ten is fine for me for Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah. I know, Abby. Are you? I guess mm? you like Prisoner of Azkaban. I quite do. A lot. <laughs> but he's not like my favorite mm. director or anything. I but I do love Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban. Yeah, I would because uh, I wanted to have Rodrigo on it. And sad that he couldn't be on because I I felt I wondered what he would think about Alfonso Cuarón at ten because I know he likes Roma quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But Alfonso Cuarón is ten. Number nine is Matt Reeves. If you don't know who Matt Reeves is? He directed Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> War of the Planet of the Apes, and what else? Let Me In, which is another film, and then Cloverfield. Well, I feel like mm-hmm. he could go so, behind Alfonso Cuarón. Yeah, I think Matt Reeves is helped by the fact that he's only made four films. The thing that hurts Alfonso Cuarón is that he had some films before Itu Mama Tambien that weren't as great, um, like some Spanish films before right. those. So, uh, but Matt Reeves, I like him. He's he's a pretty good dude. I think the Planet of the Apes trilogy is one of the more underrated mm-hmm. trilogies of all time. So, Matt Reeves at number nine is cool for me. What do y'all chase? Anything? Have you watched any for any of those four films? Um. I've seen Roma. What is Matt Reeves? Matt Reeves did, yeah, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War of the Planet of the Apes, Let Me In, and Cloverfield. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought we were still on a pause with Ron. Um, I, yeah. I enjoyed uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That's my favorite one out of all of them. Uh, Same. I, I like his. I like the Ape series, um, but yeah, I mean, he seems, yeah. Wait, but who would I put him up? I would put him above Alfonso Cuarón. You would, 
Yeah. I I guess so. Yeah. Okay, number eight is Martin Scorsese. Um, oh, okay. This is this, this to me. This one's actually pretty impressive because since he has twenty films, yeah, he's got a lot. Like it's it's kind of hard to be this. Like I'll give you a spoiler right now. Steven Spielberg is nowhere near the top ten in this list mm. because yeah. he has thirty two films and a lot of them are not great. Yeah. So the fact that Martin Scorsese could be this high on this list with a lot of directors who've only done four or five films and he's done twenty one, I think. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty impressive. And I mean, the dude's record speaks for itself. Goodfellas, Mean Street, Taxi Driver, The Departed, Shutter Island. I mean, Wolf of Wall Street. The, He's probably my second favorite director. To, yeah. Mm. The dude knows how to make a movie. So uh, would you would you say Martin Scorsese is the best out of those three? Out of those three? Mm. Like the Alfonso yeah. Cuaron and... Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So seven is Wes Anderson. So Wes Anderson's an interesting one. I think he's also a pretty consistent director. I don't think I've seen a particularly bad Wes Anderson film yet. He's a very particular director. So seven is fine for me. It it works. What about you? Does seven sound good for Wes Anderson? Yeah, um, he's definitely made a brand for himself. And that's in mm -hmm. itself is very impressive. Like he's already... Hailed as one of the, the more iconic directors of all time, so I feel like yeah. he's pretty uncontroversial as a director. That's fair, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everyone kind of likes him. Um, moving from one uncontroversial, risks, but... yeah, one un- uncontroversial director to a very controversial director. Six is Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> um, six, I, is six Quentin is a little Tarantino bit lower that than controversial? I thought. He's a bit controversial. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, don't, I, mean, I just like everything he does. I think he makes like consistently good stories, and people just find his like politics and him as a person. Um, I think that's where people get. Yeah, that's what I was getting more at. Quentin Tarantino's filmography can can't be disputed that much. Yeah. Even though I have some problems with some of his films, but like, you, I can. Um, I could acknowledge that he's a pretty good director, but yeah, him the person is where it gets a lot more, right. you know, but muddy. But him as like his films, as far as like, I think I, I, I think it's nothing too like risk taking as far as like social issues go. Or, I mean, I guess no, yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> but number five, a director we've talked about a few times, Edgar Wright. Yeah, uh, this <laughs> is. To, I was looking at his filmography. He's he's surprisingly consistent. He has uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, The World, and Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and Baby Driver. So, I haven't seen The World's End, but I mean, and I don't like Baby Driver, but I, but it was a pretty well reviewed movie. So I have to give him credit. That's number... a that's an impressive resume. Yeah, what... Edgar Wright's five. What numbers were you looking at? Did you take into account for these? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. Okay. And the audience and critical reviews for both. I personally think Tarantino should be higher, but <laughs> mm-hmm. pretty, but that's also the effect of ones. Tarantino's made. Yeah, Tarantino's mm-hmm. made ten films, and Edgar Wright, Edgar Wright has made five, so that helps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I feel like but, all ten of them, are pre- or all nine of them, are pretty good. <laughs> but all five of Edgar Wright's films, I think, are pretty good. Um, yeah, except Baby Driver. But number four. <laughs> is Steve McQueen. 
if you don't know Steve McQueen, he made uh, uh, 12 Years a Slave, Hunger, Widows, and Shame. Uh, this is another one he got here because he hasn't made that many films. I, I haven't watched 12 Years a Slave because it looks quite boring. Um, and I didn't watch Widows just because I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, did anyone watch any of those films? I haven't I seen it watched. yet. Widows was all right. Um, to me, it was just kind of like typical formulaic action movie, but uh, yeah, it had an interesting take in that it was like all female, but I think it's 2019 and that shouldn't be the only thing going for your movie. Yeah. Um, number three is a director I don't think y'all have heard of. It's Oscar Farhadi. Um, mm. This is somebody that Adam hmm. turned me on to. I haven't watched any of his films yet. Um, I don't. He has a separation about Ellie, the past, Fireworks Wednesday, The Salesman, The Beautiful City, and everybody knows. So it's a lot of films I haven't quite got to or heard of, but he's a foreign director. And apparently he's pretty consistent. So he's number three. Number two is Christopher Nolan. Um, we've talked about him. This makes sense, I think, because just a... You know how Nolan Bros or whatever and the notoriety he's gained? It seems to make sense that audiences and critics agree that he's, you know, the best. Or yeah. at least one of the best there is. So Nolan's at two. And the number one is actually Damien Chazelle. Hmm. Which, after, I think this was one where once he makes more films, he'll go a little bit down the list. Yeah. But I... Like, Overall, that top 10 seems fine to me based off of how many films they've made. I mean... I mean, yeah, it's I only think, looking at their, like, Rotten Tomatoes reviews, like, scores and stuff like that, yeah. then, yeah. Because the ones that surprised me, um, they're... Deneville Noob's only at 17 on this list. I felt that was a little bit low. Del Toro's at 21. I thought that was a little bit low. Um... Okay. Steven Spielberg's at 24. Wow. That felt a little low. Yeah. And the one that really surprised me, Sofia Coppola is at 32, which I thought she would be a little bit better reviewed than that. But mm. that, those were the top 10 directors according to Matt. But let's put our own opinions into it. And let's try to figure out who is the best director working today. So I took those 38 Put it or thir- I disputed Asghar Varhadi because I don't think any of us have seen his films. So uh, I narrowed it down to the 37. I put them in a bracket, and we're going to try to figure out who is the best director working today, at least according to us four. So cool. the first round is a play-in round, basically. So it's first one is Judd Apatow. Uh, he directed <laughs> um, what's it called? Knocked Up, Forty Year Old Virgin, Trainwreck. This is Forty. Those films versus Tim Burton. Tim Burton. Oh, uh, Tim Burton. Tim I have Burton. to go Apatow. Oh, but Burton, I guess, is the choice. <laughs> what does, but why? What, oh, did he do he's Batman? More char- he's got more of like a brand, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I like. And I feel like that's uh, the greatest, or like the biggest challenge in being a director today is like being able to create your own brand when so many movies have been made and you're trying to be different, but it's like, I don't know. That's what I. That's how I would judge. <laughs> okay. Directors. I mean, I I haven't watched really many Tim Burton films, so I just went with Avatar because I think the Forty Year Old Virgin is a classic. 
but he lost. So let's go with Ryan Johnson versus M. Night Shyamalan. I'll be the one. I think I'm going to go with M. Night Shyamalan. I very much like yeah. uh, Split and Glass. And Ryan Johnson, I haven't really seen much of his stuff. So what do y'all think? I'll go with Shyamalan. Shyamalan. I will also go with Shyamalan. Yeah. So I did not think he was going to go on. But M. Night Shyamalan, he's going to lose in the next round anyway. But goes on <laughs> the second round. Uh, James Cameron, oh, the two, two directors that are a little bit full of themselves. James Cameron versus Michael Bay. Mm. Uh, Mike, You're going to have Michael. to list some of his, their movies because I get them confused all the time. James Cameron did the Avatars. He did the Terminator. Um, that's about it. And Michael Bay does the Transformers and something else. What, what else has Michael Bay done? Uh, did the Ninja Turtles movies. Yeah, Ninja Turtle. Movies. He did a quiet place. Uh, he did the what? purge. Wait, Krasinski. He didn't do it. Wait. John Krasinski did it. Oh, oh, place. I'm looking at. Oh, he produced that movie. Yeah. Michael Bay does the Transformers movies. Yeah. He does the Bad Boys movies, Pain and Gain, mm-hmm. uh, The Rock. And then, uh, what was the other one? I said. He did something oh, called. James Cameron. Yeah. I, uh, I guess we I have don't... to give it to Cameron. I have to go with Cameron too. Yeah. yeah. I'm gonna go with James Cameron. <laughs> um Sophia Coppola versus Adam McKay. Adam uh, McKay well, I I haven't seen any of his films outside of Vice and uh Yeah, Vice that's pretty Even though it. I hated Vice, um I do really like both Anchorman, so and I like the big short, so I'm oh. gonna have to go with Adam McKay. I'm gonna I do go love Sophia Coppola. Rashi? I think I'd have to go with McKay. I, yeah, I'd go with McKay too. I love Anchorman mm-hmm. one and Guilty Pleasure <laughs> for two. Yeah, and I liked Vice. So, <laughs> <laughs> John Favreau, Ridley Scott. What is Ridley Scott done again? Uh, he does the Aliens. I believe he did the original Blade Runner. He did The Martian, The Gladiator, American Gangster, uh, Alien Covenant, Body of Lies, films like that. Nice. All the Money in the World. And then, what was the other one? Uh, Favreau, Favreau, of course, Iron Man. The new Lion King, sadly. Um, <laughs> I'll go, just because he made the new Lion King, I'll go with Ridley Scott. What? I'm going to go with Ridley I Scott. I you were going to say Favreau. Oh. Yeah, I'm no. going to go Ridley Scott for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, Scott moves on. Okay, so now we get to our actual first round. We got Damien Chazelle versus Tim Burton. Oh. I gotta go Chazelle. Yeah, I... Chazelle, yeah. I, I I'll do that. First Man, though. That, I don't think that one did as well. It didn't do as well, but it, it's still a pretty good film. Okay. But just off of La La Land and Whiplash. Yeah. I have to go with Chazelle. Yeah, probably Chazelle. This is a hard one. Denis Villeneuve versus the Coen Brothers. Uh, Coen Brothers, I think. I gotta go. I gotta go. Bill Really? Well, I... the Coen. I like. Uh, I I I kind of liked No Country for Old Men, but I love that movie. I I just I just don't think they're quite as good as people make them out to be. But I think Denis Villeneuve is everything people make them out to be. So I'm gonna go with Bill. So what else has Denis Villeneuve done again? Uh, Arrival, Sicario, oh, yeah, 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 okay. Prisoners, Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wait, Blade Runner uh, 2049 was really good, though. Oh, and he did Enemy. Oh. And he did Enemy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. I guess Bill Move. Bill Move. Bill Move gets it. Yeah. I, that was a hard one for me. I don't think I can no. answer it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Reeves versus David Lynch. Mm. I've never seen a David Lynch film. I'm not gonna lie, so I'm gonna go with Matt Reeves. Yeah, um, he's made The Elephant Man, The Straight Story, Eraserhead, Blue Velvet. I mean, these are just the original Dune. These are just a lot of films I haven't heard. Uh, of, so I'm yeah. gonna go Reeves. I'm gonna go with David Lynch. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go. I'll Lynch. go with Reeves. Ooh, that's too what, good too. Ooh, what do we do? I did, oh, not, I did not prepare for that. <laughs> I could oh. I could get my brother in here as a tiebreaker. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, come here. Come here. Sure. <laughs> Is he running away? I need you David for a tiebreaker. Matt Reeves. Yeah, we're doing a bracket. And uh, we want, we would like to know if. Hmm. Mario cut out for a second. Did he say something? No. Oh, we wait in suspense. (laughs) 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 Hmm. They have the oddest books in Walmart. <laughs> Suspense Sorry. book grades can chase. Yeah. Uh, wow, mm-hmm. it cut off at the worst time. She had just... The cliffhanger! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess we'll come back to that decision. Uh, we'll come back to it. Um, uh, in the meantime... Change... Wait, but where'd Abby go? She leave? I don't know. <laughs> it said that Abby's still there, but yeah, she's disappeared. <laughs> um, let's go with Alfonso Cuarón versus Sam Mendez. Sam Mendez, uh, I think he made American Beauty. He made Skyfall, Spectre, Road to Perdition, Revolutionary Road. Um, I'm going with the. Uh... Hi guys. Oh, <laughs> was. I don't know why oh, yeah. my audio cut out. Who was the choice? Uh, Andrew said Lynch. Ooh, Lynch, Lynch wins. Uh, Abby, what's your thoughts on Alfonso Cuarón versus Sam Mendes? Effects on them, admittedly, are brilliant. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Wait. What did you ask me? Oh, Cuarón versus Sam Mendes. What did Sam Mendes do? Uh. Skyfall, American Beauty, Revolutionary Road, Spectre, um, Road to Perdition. I'm going to go with Coron. 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 That's the choice. Christopher Nolan versus Adam McKay. You know what it is for me. Uh, I, I guess, guess I'll... Christopher Nolan for me too. Yeah, Nolan. Nolan. Richard Linklater versus a director I like called Park Chan-wook. He directed Snowpiercer. Um, which I think is a good film on Netflix and uh, some other ones. Richard Linklater did the Before Trilogy um, and Boyhood. Ooh, and they've been confused. I what a filmography. <laughs> I know. And School of Rock. I think I'd have to and go... And the original Suburbia. Yeah, I think I'd have to go with Linklater. 
Yeah, I suppose I'll go I'm with a, Link later. I'm gonna go with Link later too. The Link. Um, Martin Scorsese versus Avery Dufanier. Oh. Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, Scorsese. Yeah, Scorsese. Mm. I like Selma, but that's about it. <laughs> so sorry, Ava. Um, the Russo brothers versus Steven Spielberg. Uh, Russo brothers. Really? <laughs> I think I'd have to go Spielberg. It's hard because you can't argue with the impact of Spielberg, but I honestly yeah. didn't love Jaws <laughs> and I didn't love Jurassic Park. Well, he's made so um, many movies, like such a wide scale that you can't just but, look at two movies. But like, oh, Saving Private Ryan was him too. Oh, and Cast Me. Yeah, sorry. I got to go Spielberg. Spielberg, baby. Wait, wait, wait. I got to change mine because I'm basing... <laughs> I'm chain- I'm basing mine off of TV shows that the Russo brothers did, which is Community, but I forget oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. So I have to go with Spielberg. Um, Steve McQueen versus Ridley Scott. Mm. I'll go with Scott. He did. Predator. Yeah, probably I mean, Ridley Scott for me. Yeah. Wait, did he do Aliens? I'm, uh, Alien yeah, Covenant. Okay. Alien. Then I'll go with Ridley. Ridley okay, Scott, baby. Um, Taika Waititi versus Alejandro G. Inaritu. What has he made? Um, Birdman, The Revenant. Ooh, those are, um, oh, those are all good. Uh, I think yeah. I'm actually going to go uh, with him. I forget the other films. You're going to go with Inaritu? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. Sam. Inaritu over Waititi? Yeah. All right. Uh, Wes Anderson versus George Lucas. Hmm, that's a hard one. Uh, not for me. I'm going with Wes Anderson. Uh, I think I'd actually have to go with George Lucas. Really? What was the good? Didn't he make the prequels? Yeah, he directed the first. But yeah. I don't know. Actually, they're both very different. Mm-hmm. And they're both mm-hmm. very um. They both definitely have a brand. Yeah. Um, what are you guys saying? <laughs> I'm going Anderson. I haven't seen actually anything from Wes Anderson, so I've no, I know most of his works, but I haven't seen anything. But I want to check it out. I suppose I'll go with Wes. Okay, that's Anderson. Then. Yeah. JJ Abrams versus. Okay. J.J. Abrams versus Darren Aronofsky. Um, J.J. Abrams is a really safe filmmaker, and Aronofsky takes a lot of risks. Aronofsky. Um, so I'll go with the risk taker, so I'm going to go with Aronofsky. Aronofsky. Those risks. <laughs> David oh, Fincher geez. versus um, Yorgos Lanthimos. Ooh, that's a hard one. Um, I think... I'm going to go Fincher. I think I'm actually going to go he, with Yorgos Lanthimos because okay. he's more of a risk taker. But the social, I don't think Yorgos has made a film nearly as good as Social Network. Well, um, it's very different. And got, oh, the, he yeah, also did Zodiac. Yeah. Gone Girl, Seven, Seven Fight Club. He, and he, Benjamin Button. Yeah. <laughs> Fight, yeah. So I'm going to have to go Fincher. Abby, Chase? Mm, I might go with Fincher. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. Even though I haven't seen much of their films, I'd go with Venture. Um, Tarantino versus Cameron. 
Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino. I'm gonna say Tarantino. Wes Anderson. Oh, I have two Andersons. Who's my second Anderson? Mm. Uh, Paul, Thomas? Paul Thomas Anderson. Oh. The Guillermo del Toro. Oh no. <laughs> wait, I feel like um, they would. I'm gonna wait, go with del Toro. They would make an interesting duo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They would. Um, I'm going with Del Toro. Del Toro, yeah. I'll say Del Toro. Okay. Edgar Wright versus M. Night Shyamalan. Mm, I gotta go with Wright. Edgar Wright. Wright. Okay. On to the second round. We got, ooh, it's a hard one. Damien Chazelle versus Denis Villeneuve. Denis yeah, Villeneuve. I think I gotta go with Denis. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Denis Villeneuve gets it. I think if Suzelle had a few more films under his um, belt, then I would maybe consider him, but I have to go for Villeneuve. David Lynch versus Alfonso Cuaron. Alfonso. I'll go, I'll go with Cuaron as well. Yeah. yeah. Edgar Wright versus Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Mm, del Toro, yeah. I gotta go mm-hmm. right. Oh. I'll go for Del Toro. Ty? Oh, oh. Del Toro. Oh. No. <laughs> um, Tarantino versus Fincher. Tarantino. <laughs> Fincher. Uh, Tarantino. I haven't seen anything from Fincher. Abby? I don't know. I don't know. Can I withdraw my vote? And, and it would just go to Tarantino, I know, but... Yeah, I, I guess. guess that would be the same as voting for Tarantino. <laughs> yep. So Tarantino gets it. Um, Christopher Nolan versus Richard Linklater. I'm going Nolan. Nolan. Yeah. Um, word? Scorsese. I gotta go Scorsese. Scorsese, baby. I'll go Scorsese. Yeah, I'm... Scorsese? Yeah, my... Car is ready to be picked up. So, oh, no. yeah. Um, Ridley Scott, Alejandro G. Inaritu. Oh boy. What did you name again? <laughs> Inaritu? Yeah. The Revenant. And, oh, yes. Um, oh, why do you keep forgetting? He's so good. Yeah. Versus um, who? I'm going with Inaritu. Ridley um, Scott. Ridley Scott. Ooh. Of the Martian and Blade Runner. <laughs> I'd have to go with Inaritu. I'm going with Ridley Scott. Chase, you're the tiebreaker. Or, not really, but, yeah. Oh, that sound! <laughs> Wait, is that what me? What is that sound? Yeah. Oh, shoot. But who are you going with? Inaritu versus Scott? Uh, wait, say that again? Alejandro G. Inaritu versus um, Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Oh, oh that's not a tie? Yeah. Wait, is it a tie? It's a that's, tie. Yeah, that's a tie. Wait, wait, wait. What did the other person direct? The Revenant and Birdman. Oh, okay. I'll go with the other person. Okay. <laughs> there we go. I kind of like Wes. <laughs> yeah, Wes Anderson versus Darren Aronofsky. Darren. Hmm. Yeah, Darren. Ah, uh, yeah. I have to get to Aronofsky too. Alright. Uh, same. Okay. Uh, here we go. D- uh, next round, Denis Villeneuve versus Al- um, Alfonso Cuarón. Hmm. Mm. I'll have to go Villeneuve. Um, yeah, yeah. I shall also go with 
Denis Villeneuve. Okay. Del Toro versus Tarantino. Ooh, that hurts. I'm going Del Toro. Tarantino. I'm going Del Toro. Del Toro. Chase, Del Toro gets it. Sorry to Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Christopher Nolan versus Martin Scorsese. Oh, Scorsese. I, I'm going Nolan. Scorsese. Tiebreaker. Sorry, man. We need to call in Andrew Hudrick. Should I? Should I go? Wait, Chase, who are you going with? I said Scorsese. Oh, Oh, no. Oh. Oh. How dare you? (laughs) Well, man, I thought we were friends. (laughs) We are, but this is our troubling time. (laughs) (laughs) Alejandro G. Inaritu versus Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. Yeah. Right? I'm going with him. I didn't think he was going to get this far, but yeah. look at him. Um, Denis Villeneuve versus Martin Scorsese. Mm. I'm going Villeneuve. That's hard. Villeneuve. Uh, I'm going to go with Scorsese. Yeah, probably Scorsese. Oh, get Andrew in here. <laughs> Should I? Yeah. yeah. I'll just, okay. Yeah. We have to break the tie somehow. Andrew. (laughs) Hey, buddy. What's up? Here. Is there a Grim Reaper on this call? Yes. Andrew. (laughs) Andrew's the Grim Reaper. Hello, everyone. So. Hello. Hi, Andrew. <laughs> would you, in this bracket, you're our tiebreaker, would you prefer Denis Villeneuve or Martin Scorsese? Who? Denis Villeneuve, <laughs> who did Arrival, Blade Runner 2049, Sicario, Enemy. He's doing the new Dune. And then... I know Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Um, <laughs> honestly, I might go with the first guy. I, yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I might go with, move with the win. I mean, obviously, Scorsese is a great director and all, but, like, I don't know. I found myself enjoying more of the movies that he's made. Hmm. The other guy. That's that fair. That's fair. There we go. <laughs> Andrew with the, with the tie break. It's Denny, but it's spelled like Dennis with only one N. Denny? Yeah. Yeah. Denny. <laughs> cool. <laughs> like the um, restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> the American fast food chain. Mm-hmm. Loved yeah. by this country. Let's go. Okay, our next one for semi championship is De- Guillermo del Toro versus Darren Aronofsky. Um, I don't know why. I'm gonna go with Aronofsky again. Uh, that's a hard one. That is a hard. I'm one. I'm gonna say del Toro. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Chase, do you have a preference? Uh, what did I always forget? What did what did they direct again? Del Toro's done *Pan's Labyrinth*. He did oh. *Shape of Water*. He's yeah. done. Uh, no, I meant. Uh, what are some other? Uh, the other person. Oh. did *Mother*, *Black Swan*, uh, *Requiem Ooh. for a Dream*. Jackie, wait, um, no, he was just an, a producer. Black. Yeah, I'm trying to find Aronofsky's. He did. But, yeah. Noah. <laughs> Biblical the Wrestler, movie. Black Swan, Requiem for a Dream, Pie Mother, and The Fountain, and No One. 
then I might just have to give it to Del Toro on that one. I guess we'll also go with Del Toro. Okay, so the finals is Guillermo Del Toro versus Denis Villeneuve. Oh my god, wow. <laughs> this is what it's come to. I'm going with Villeneuve. I mean, once Nolan was gone, this was the obvious choice for me. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with. I'm going with it, going to Denis Villeneuve. Okay, Abby. Did Rashi say Villeneuve? Yes. I'll go with her. Okay, <laughs> that's it. Denis Villeneuve is the best director working today. <laughs> um, I think that's a good choice. He's, he's a good guy. Um, I want to play a quick game before we get out of here. It's uh, You know how Rachel did the little thing where you could like see a film and see what it's trademarked or whatever um, a few weeks ago? There's You can go on IMDb and look up a director and it'll tell you their trademarks and... Um, and it's like things they often do, and they could be pretty interesting. So let me see if y'all can guess oh, wait. who these directors are. Huh. I might based I might, off of these. I might have to cut out for a little bit because I have to pick up my car. Yeah, <laughs> go get your car, car fixed, Chase. Okay. We'll see you a little later. See you in like two minutes. Bye, Chase. Okay. <laughs> okay, for Abby and Rashi. It's um, got instantly quieter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The lead directors usually drive General Motors vehicles, particularly Chevrolet and Cadillac, such as Jules' 1974 Nova and Vincent's 1960 Malibu. Do you know who it is yet? very specific. Yes, these are really specific. Makes references to cult movies and television. Brief, briefcases and suitcases play an important role, what? usually. He usually, his films usually have a shot from inside an automobile trunk. <laughs> hmm. uh... All his movies um, feature a scene in which three or more characters are pointing guns at each other at the same time. A lot uh... of Mexican standoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Often uses an unconventional storytelling device in his films. Okay. Um... His films often include one long, unbroken take where a character is followed around somewhere. I want to say Edgar Wright, but I don't... No, it's not not Edgar Wright. These are all very popular directors. Um, Let's see. Widely imitated quick cuts of characters' hands performing actions in extreme (laughs) (laughs) close-up. These are so specific. um, Adam McKay? No. Um... Why, uh, long close up of a person's face while someone speaks, else speaks okay. off screen. This is hard. It's a very famous director. It's what? Um, it's a very famous director. Um, often plays a small role in his films. Is it Tarantino? It is Quentin Tarantino. I have uh, a feeling it might be. He's a Chevy's? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Most of these are news to me. Okay. Let me pull up the next one. Um, Wasn't able to get Quentin. <laughs> I don't know if I can get any of these. <laughs> begins his movies and introduces his main characters with a close-up of their hands performing an action. Hmm. 
Opening scenes are usually a fat flashback or a piece of a scene from the middle or ending of the movie. Like Films lot. conclude with the two central characters discussing the results which have stemmed from the events of the film. This one should be easy. Non-linear timelines. Is uh, this Nolan? Yes, this is Christopher yeah. Nolan. Yes. Um, let me see. Let me see if I can find. Let, we'll do like two more. Let's see. I'm trying to find someone interesting. Um, okay, this director... It's a male, again. Uh, he only has 13, so frequently uses a technique known as the hip-hop montage, which is a sequence of images or actions oh. shown in fast motion with accompanying sound effects, usually to stimulate a certain action, such as taking drugs. Spike Lee? Hmm. Who? Spike Lee? No. Oh. Fade to white for emphasis, a break in the story, or an end of an act section in the story. Okay, that one's weird. <laughs> Use of sounds to objects that are not always seen on screen. Uses a string instrument and techno beat combination for the soundtrack of the, to his films. Is it Darren Aronofsky? It is Darren Aronofsky. Okay. <laughs> what gave it away? <laughs> Um, we'll do one more. Uh, I'll go with this guy. And we'll play this game maybe on another podcast. Maybe with actors, too. Um, that's not what I wanted. But this is, sadly, another man. Um, famous director. He, he's very, er, he has a lot of trademarks. So... Frequently uses Philadelphia as a backdrop in his movies. <laughs> um, okay. Having some sort of twist in the end or surprise ending in his films. M. Night Shyamalan? It is M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. So that was the IMD director's game. I'll, there, when I did it for actors, there were some really interesting ones for some actors, which sadly, I mean, it kind of has to be a... a a male-dominated game because a lot of the trademarks for women actors aren't very great. Um, but we'll play that game next week. So last thing I want to do, um, I need to invite Chase back to the podcast because he is the also the other one who's seen this. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it comes out this... It came, it came out yesterday, I think, maybe. Um, Rashi, did you get a chance to see it yet? No, I was busy yesterday. Um, Abby, did you get a chance to see it? Nope. Okay, so me and Chase saw it, um, not at the same advanced screening, but we both saw it at multiple um, advanced screenings. I'll let Chase go first. Chase, what did you think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Chase? Chase. I might have jumped the gun. I just assumed that he would be able to hear me instantly. Chase, did you? What do you think about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh well. I'll go first. <laughs> Hello. So. Oh. Okay. There we go. Chase, what do you think? Wait, about did I Once accidentally upon hang up the last one? Yeah. <laughs> but you're back now. Is he? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Marred by technical difficulties, just like Rachel's episode. Um, 
Yeah. So I'll, um, I'll just go first, hello? and then hopefully, Chase, are you are you back for sure now? Hello. Chase. He probably needs to put his headphones in. So I'll go first. This I'm not a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. Um, I've let that been known, but this. Hello. I think Quentin Tarantino, Chase. <laughs> I'm just oh, gonna keep letting, no, no. I'll just keep letting him say hello in the background while I'm talking. <laughs> um, Quinn? Hello? Once <laughs> uh, no. upon a time in Hollywood. Wait, can you hear? Is, uh, yes. Chase, we yes. can hear you. Okay, good. Sorry. Okay, uh, he's back. What? Okay. What? Chase, can you hear me? He's He's here? Can you not hear okay. David? No, for me it just says you and Rashi are on here. Well, no. I'm Rashi. I was the one who invited them, yeah. so that's weird. Wait, did um, I interrupt okay. the Tell original Chase. podcast? <laughs> Tell Chase to review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We'll play this like telephone. <laughs> Rashi goes Chase, review Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood for us, will you? Um, okay. Um, I thought it was that was pretty good. It um, it was kind of slow in the beginning, but um, yeah, I liked it a lot, and uh, that final act was really worth it. And um, yeah, I told one of my friends who was interested in seeing it to invest it because after you see it, then yeah, it's 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 just really great. So go see it, check it out. A very fun time. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah. I'm, I feel a little bit differently. So that to be Quentin Tarantino is one of the more frustrating directors I think working today because I think he's one of the directors where I could almost really like him. Like he is almost one of my favorite directors, and all of his films are almost really good to me. I think Inglorious Bastards is the one where I'm like, this one, you basically got what I wanted you to do. He didn't stray too far. But I think the reason Inglorious Bastards work is because, yes, it's three stories, but they all are semi-connected and they all have an end point which they're going towards. And then once you get to that ending, all three stories pay off in that way. Yeah. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a little bit different because there's a lot of stories going on. And the ending is great. They, I think the ending, if Endgame didn't happen, would be the best scene that's happened all year. But when you watch two hours and 45 minutes worth of film in here, and there are just so many little things that just didn't pay off. Like, I don't want to quite spoil it, but like, um, I just think Margot Robbie was completely misused in this film. And there is a lot of actors. Like, you might have an actor that you think is your favorite that's in this film, but don't be too excited for them because they're probably just in one or two scenes. Um, I was a little confused because, like, it was supposed to be, like, you know, about the Manson stuff. But, like, the trailers? Okay, it's not? I, I will say that, like, I don't go into this film expecting to watch a film about the Manson murders. It just happens to be at the time that the Manson murders happened. Okay. So it's, it's, so it's not about that. It's more about, it's, it's a lot about Leonardo DiCaprio's character um, and Brad Pitt's character and their relationship together. It kind of has a weird side plot with Sharon Tate as Mar- or Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate 
and then just a lot of weird intercutting scenes. And I just think the biggest problem is this movie is two hours and 45 minutes. And I genuinely feel like 45 minutes could have been cut off and I still would have been as satisfied with the ending. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of stories that were kind of queued up that didn't really pay off. And even the ending, I was like, yeah, you set that up, but you barely set that up. And you had so much time to do that better. That it's just, it's just really fun because Leonardo DiCaprio to me just emphasizes in this that he is the greatest actor working today. He is so amazing. Yeah. Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt doing a performance similar to his performance in The Glorious Bastards. I'm not going to lie. It's the same type of tone, but he's great in this film. And, and Margot Robbie does what she can with what she's given, but just, I, this was almost really good. And I really wish I was a huge Quentin Tarantino fan. I really wish I just got what everyone likes about him. But Have you seen just, uh, Hateful Eight? I haven't seen Hateful Eight. I tried to watch it, but um, I couldn't quite get through it. And I think it was just a, I was a little bit tired. Okay, I don't amazing. think I was on the film. But I've watched Pulp Fiction. I've watched Reservoir Dogs. Django. I've watched The Glorious Bastards. And I've watched Django. And I like The Glorious Bastards. And I, and I, I like Django for the most part. I mostly like the Leonardo DiCaprio part just because he's so good in that. But... This one is just... It's just, for me, his, like... <sighs> like, consistently amazing and, like, gripping scenes that, like, are well-constructed. And they it, follow, well, the um, you know, like, they follow direct, like, directing techniques that have worked for direct directors in the past. Well... That's one thing I'll say about this one. This film is excellently, excellently directed. He shoots films amazing. It looks amazing. Mm -hmm. And he, there are some scenes in there that are really good. He is really good at writing particular scenes sometimes. But sometimes the way he structures the story doesn't quite work for me. Okay. And it's like, this is a collection of pretty good scenes. But I just found myself for about 45 minutes to an hour thinking, where is this going? <laughs> like, what's the point of all of this? All and right. even when we got to the point, and I was smiling ear to ear when we got to the ending because it was so good. But I was still like, but there was still an hour of this film where I feel unfulfilled. Those storylines didn't really hold up. Also, um, Quentin Tarantino doesn't use the N-word for the first time, I think, in a while in this film. But then he replaces it with a different type of racism because the scene with Bruce Lee, I think, is just, this needed to be taken out so bad. It was just such a stereotypical... Like, I think it was played for comedy, but it didn't work for me. I, uh, that's just another thing. It was like, you didn't quite need that in there. You almost had a good film, but then you just kind of put that in there. So this film's frustrating. Mm -hmm. But I can't deny, I, I, I walked out of the theater genuinely pretty happy. Like, I knew I wasn't gonna, I, I already knew my problems with Tarantino coming in. So I didn't feel dissatisfied with the movie when I came out which is something that I haven't been able to say about too many movies that have came out this year because I've been disappointed a lot. So I don't know. I, I kind of want to watch it again, but I don't want to sit through all two hours and 45 minutes again. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'll be curious to see what y'all think when it, when you watch it. But this is, this was a, like a B movie for me, <laughs> but again, Leonardo DiCaprio, great. Brad Pitt, amazing. And Margaret Qualley was pretty good. Um, Sydney Sweeney, who I who was excited to see, was in this film for like two minutes. Maya Hawke was in this film for like one minute. So, again, oh, really? if your favorite actor is in there, they're probably not in it for that long. Al Pacino was in there, but like 
maybe 10 minutes, 15. So um, it's really about Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt, and they both do an amazing job. One thing I can't, I can't take away from Tarantino is he's great at directing actors. So see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I guess, if you want to, but I don't know. Just know what you're coming into. And I think it's definitely um, worth watching for just his directing style. Like, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll have to watch it, obviously. I, I do think watch it in a the theater because I think one thing that really helped was experiencing that ending with everybody there. It was really nice. Okay. Um, okay. We, this might be the longest episode. So we'll, uh, do y'all have any, wow, my voice cracked a little. Do y'all have any movies or TV shows? That y'all want to talk about before we leave movie spotlight? Um, I could spotlight a TV show I've been watching lately. Oh, wow! With my mom is Veronica Mars. Um, oh, with um, uh, um with Anna Ferris? No, Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell, yeah. Um, yes, it? Uh, it is very fun. Um, <laughs> sorry, a little distracted, but. They just did a reboot season um, because the show had been canceled after three seasons in 2007, and then they did a standalone yeah. movie in 2014, and now they have their new, like, more adult-oriented fourth season. And so my mom and I are mm-hmm. working our way through the first season right now, but it's a lot of fun. I recommend it's on Hulu. Rossi. Um. I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale with my mom. Pretty good. Uh-huh. Very slow, I will say. <laughs> but that's yeah. like the eternal problem of television shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stretching things out. Uh, mm-hmm. Chase, Chase had to leave, so Chase can't give his. So I'll just say Thoroughbreds is on HBO Go. <laughs> so if you have HBO, go watch Thoroughbreds. Support Anya Taylor-Joy and Olivia Cook. Uh, I think I've talked about Thoroughbreds on this podcast probably before. So just know it's a good movie. Well written. <laughs> just know that. Wonderfully acted. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Just go watch it. It's a good film. And there's some other films. I tried to watch Notting Hill. But I wasn't that into that one. I like that Also, one. I watched To Rome With Love. Uh, I understand why people do not like Woody Allen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Besides the personal stuff. Uh, but that's it. That's it for the Movie People podcast. We'll be back next week in some shape or form. But for Rashi and Chase and Abby and Andrew for a second and Ryan, who was supposed to be here but didn't show up, and then Rachel and Rodrigo, who couldn't make it, that's it for this week. Goodbye. Goodbye.